Hey guys, real quick before the episode gets kicked off, I just want to mention during the interview with the Psychoape crew, uh, some of the connection had gotten lost uh, in like spots throughout the episode. Um, so that that might have been my bad. Just uh, had some poor connection at some time. So I uh, just want to say I apologize to uh, the Psychoape crew. And uh, I think for the most part, you can you can pick up what's being discussed while those parts occur um and this is a pretty long interview so i'm not really going to do too many plugs uh just the only one i really want to do is that i encourage you guys to watch psycho ape if you've never watched it before it's on uh amazon prime you can rent it for a couple bucks it's uh if you guys uh are not into like serious horror but more or less like the comedy side of horror uh, this one's right up your alley and uh, it's it's so silly and uh, if you don't laugh while watching this movie then uh, you might not have a sense of humor uh, so definitely check it out uh, before you uh, listen to this episode because there are some spoilers and uh, yeah also uh, Addison mentions that you can buy a DVD copy on uh, his eBay site and I will leave uh, the link of his site in the description below. So check it out, guys, and uh, enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm Marcus Rude. And today I have a big interview with the Psycho Ape crew. Uh, returning guest, Addison Binnick, who is the writer, director, well, part co-writer co-writer uh and then uh the psycho ape himself steve albers is here and uh the legendary bill whedon who plays dr zoomis is here uh how are you guys doing good good how are you Um, i'm doing great i'm uh trying to stay warm here in this cold winter of iowa (laughs) but nonetheless Having a reasonably mild winter here in New York State. I mean, it's not that not that cold today at all. It's almost like fall today. Huh. Yeah. We kind of keep the heat up in our apartment, so I have no idea how cold it is outside. I work outside, so it kind of bounces back and forth. Right. Yeah. For yeah, Iowa, it's been a weird, weird winter so far, and uh, it just it you know it could be warm like. The 40s with the sunshine, it could be like really warm and start melting the ice. And the next day, it's just, you know, super cold and, you know, ice is everywhere. We've actually been fighting the ice a lot. And I actually had to get a new tire because the ice on the road sliced my tire. Oh, wow. That sucks, man. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but uh, got it fixed. It's it's all good. Well, I see that you're all bundled up and everything. So (laughs) hopefully that's coat and beard will keep you warm <laughs> right nah well I, I don't know if you guys know this but uh i have my setup out here in the garage i have no heat so i gotta bundle up and uh right right yeah i remember the last time <laughs> i was on you said that you had relocated to the garage right i don't it, think the first time i was on you were in the garage no i i actually had a a whole room set up in uh the other house i was living at right was awesome but uh then i had to relocate and uh just not enough room in the house especially with my daughter just she's in her terrible too so she is just running wild and right 
you know, doing kids stuff, it's kind of hard to, to keep her quiet while I do this stuff. So yeah, it makes sense. So I'm in the garage. But, um, so, you know, uh, before we got on the air here, we were talking about, uh, some of the scenes in psycho ape and just, you know, how you guys, uh, we're working some scenes, uh, how, uh, I guess I'll kick this off. Uh, how did, uh, Bill and, uh, Steve become, uh, a part of the project? Like what was the process of, uh, casting people, Addison? Well, um, a couple of years ago, I was actually going to make the film with another friend of mine. Um, but, uh, he had passed away and he was going to be the psycho ape. It was his costume we wrote the opening scene of the film together, but after he passed away, failed the project because I didn't really know who else to make the movie with at that time. Uh, Steven was going to play. We didn't have the name of the character, Dr. Zumis, yet. We just knew that we wanted a Loomis parody type character. It was going to be like a zookeeper um, slash psychiatrist who was going to have, he was going to, you know, claim ownership of the ape and so when he escapes he wants to track him down steven was going to play that character three four years ago when i initially came up with the idea for the project but um what's that i did i never realized that that steve was going to play yeah that was that was uh rough draft number one (laughs) yeah um because i'm i'm a security guard um that's my real job I already had the uniform, so it just kind of fell into place. Yeah, that's really all we were going to do was that we had the ape costume and we had a security guard costume. So he was going to be, you know, like Loomis type character. And he wasn't going to be like a crazy nutball or anything. He was going to just be, you know, he was going to, we were going to try to play it like Donald Pleasance from Halloween. But, um, you know, obviously that evolved over time for the better. But, uh, you know, rough draft number one basically was, you know, it was going to just kind of be my friend playing the ape. Steven was going to be the Zoomus before Zoomus was called Zoomus. Uh, you know, but after that, you know, got shelves, um, you know, uh, I reached out to Greg DeLiso because I had been working for him for a couple of years and uh, I was his assistant helping him promote his movie Hectic Knife. And so we had a friendship slash working relationship for about two or three years. And, you know, I lost someone close to me. He lost someone close to him. So we both were just going through troubled times. And I reached out to him with this nugget of an idea of like, hey, hey man, do you want to make this movie Psycho Ape? You know, we don't have much of, I don't have much of a script written. I have a basic idea, I have a basic concept. I have an opening scene that's written. But I don't have, uh, I don't have a script. You want to make this movie? It'll distract us for a couple of months while we, you know, heal emotionally. And, you know, we can just make a funny movie and uh, see what happens. So um, we decided Steven was now going to shift roles into the, being the ape because we are roommates. And it would be just easier for Greg to drive over to our apartment. And we could, the three of us, write ideas and film in our apartment. It was just convenient. Um, but then 
you know, we needed a, we needed a Zoomus. And Bill and I met at a screening of Sergeant Kabuki Man. It was a double feature of Kabuki Man and Tremasterpiece Theater Episode 1 in New York. And we had never met before, but when Tremasterpiece played, I mean, it, it basically chewed him out of the theater. He couldn't take watching Battle of Love 10 minutes at a time, which I don't blame him. Um, you know, that's not a good film. <laughs> Um, but after that presentation was over, um, he did say that he thought that the material was funny. He just couldn't watch the movie for that long. I understood, you know, and I wouldn't take offense either because I didn't make that movie. But, um, he, he told me that if he was, if we were going to come back to, if I was going to come back to New York anytime soon to work on a project that he'd like to do something, even if, you know, it was just a small cameo and, uh, um, when I came back from New York to Michigan, I presented this idea to, you know, Greg and Steven. And I was like, Hey, you know, Bill Whedon says that he would do a cameo in psycho ape, you know, if, if we go back to New York and we had already knew that we kind of wanted the climax of the film to end in times square. So we kind of just thought, well, maybe he'll just pop up, you know, in a chase scene through times square, Scooby-Doo style. But then Greg, I think, you know, light bulb went off and it was like, well, you know, let's see if, why don't we offer him the part of, uh, you know, Zoomus. And so we, we, we called him up on speakerphone and just right there, you know, offered him the role. And, uh, you know, he said, yes, it kind of just all kind of clicked. Nice. And then somewhere along the line, you got Kansas Bowling. Yeah, I can't remember now if Kansas was before or after casting Bill, but Kansas came from a couple different avenues. Um, I had riffed her movie BC Butcher for movies to watch on a radio my YouTube riffing show. She had sent me a free copy in the mail um, and told me, go for it, you know, go ahead and riff it. And then she ended up liking my episode and my riffing of it and was advertising it and posting the link on, you know, YouTube and Twitter and stuff. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I didn't, I didn't know her. I didn't expect her to grant me permission to make fun of her movie, let alone enjoy the riff and promote me. So that was about a year or two, maybe before we started to get the ball rolling on psycho ape. Um, so, but she was also a fan of hectic knife, Greg's movie. So, um, I think I contacted her on Instagram offering her a cameo in the beginning, the opening slumber party massacre scene. She was just supposed to be in that scene and get killed in that scene with all the rest of the girls. Um, but she said that, you know, if we're offering her to be in the movie, that uh, she would be willing to be a, you know, play a, a larger character. So, you know, if we expand her role, you know, she would commit to a, you know, you know, to be in the whole film because she wanted to work with Greg because of Hectic Knife. So it is kind of strange that initially, you know, with Bill and Kansas, you know, they were just kind of supposed to be cameos, not because we didn't want to work with them for the entire film, but basically we just thought they wouldn't want to work with us for an entire film for <laughs> what little pay, what little money we had. 
you know um yeah. it was a very low budget movie and uh you know we were pinching pennies where we could and we still ended up you know overspending and i'm still paying off the movie today and it's been done since october you know but we just didn't think that they would want to participate in a full shoot a full movie we just kind of thought well cameos probably are all we're going to be able to get but then when they were like yeah we'll be in the whole movie you know then we were like okay <laughs> you've got the roles you're the leads then the movie's gonna rest on you guys and an ape who doesn't speak so <laughs> so then you you rewrote the whole movie for, for once you had uh, us on board right Pretty much, yeah. I mean, at that point, we had a basic outline before we had leads. We kind of had a story structure, sort of like a teensy tiny one. But then when we had, when we knew that we had Bill in Kansas, and we were like, okay, we have leads now. <laughs> we through lines for our leads. You know, we can give them um, stuff to do now because it's like, okay, they're not just going to be cameos. We can have Bill do an interrogation scene with Kansas in Glorious Bastard style. Like I thought of that scene because I was writing psycho ideas while listening to the Inglorious Bastards soundtrack. And so then I hop on Facebook Messenger and I message Greg and I'm like, dude, I'm writing the script for Psycho Ape, but I'm listening to the Inglorious Bastards soundtrack. Should we have a scene? where, you know, there's an, an interrogation between Dr. Zumas and Nancy and the ape is hiding under the floorboards. And he was like, yes, we're, we're putting now. So that's kind of just how the movie was written was like, should we do this? Should we try that? Would this be funny? And we shot as much as we could, but there's still like, you know, half a script that we didn't shoot mainly just because we ran out of money. You know, <laughs> we, we shot what we could, but you know, there's, there's half a script, half an outline that just, didn't didn't get shot like there's no deleted scenes for the movie which is kind of unusual but we only shot what we could so there's there's just there's no deleted footage or anything anything we filmed it's in the movie so you can imagine uh <clears throat> given that that backstory <clears throat> excuse me that, that <clears throat> we we there was no way that i thought this was going to be anything but a very silly bunch of scenes and, and it was it was huge fun to make I, I never had so much fun making a movie or a budget because everybody on board was including these guys and including kansas and greg everybody was so great to work with it was just so much fun but i didn't expect it to be it, the movie to be as funny and actually in a weird way as artistic as it is it's just so unique it's a unique film. I, I've, not, I've never seen a film exactly like it. And it, it makes me laugh. I've seen it now seven times. <laughs> that might be more than me at this point. Huh? What? what? That, that, that might be more than me, unless you count all of the rough cuts Greg sent me for. We saw Dolores, my wife, who, who's, who's also just in love with it. We, we saw it uh, for the, the seventh time this morning. And... Uh, um, she noticed something that I, every time I watch it, I, I, I find something new. That's the thing. It's like reading Mad no, I, I As do I, but the things that I notice are like con like further continuity errors that even I don't know if Greg edited that on purpose or not. Well, there are so many continuity errors that, that, that you can lose count. Yeah. 
right? But but that's part of what's funny about it. I mean, no, we, like they're they're in the within when we were shooting, we would purposely like stage a con, but there are there are continuity errors that are totally that sometimes I'll find. Give an example of one that's that's accidental. Do you, do you think of one? Oh, the, the, the one that's accidental. Yeah, I yeah. know. Of, I know of two off the top of my head. What are they? Um, in the beginning of the film, when the psycho ape is dumping coins into the palm of his hand because he sees the ice cream commercial, mm-hmm. he grabs that bad motherfucker Pulp Fiction wallet, and there, in in the close-up, he grabs the wallet, but in the wide he doesn't grab the wallet <laughs> so in the close-up he grabs the wallet after using his fingertips to put coins in his hand but then it cuts to a wide and he's just doing the coins in his hand but he, then he turns around and runs he doesn't grab the wallet <laughs> so that's one that i recently noticed and i'm like oh wow i've seen this film a couple times and i just now noticed that he does not grab the wallet in the wide i don't know if greg did that on party just it doesn't even matter because you don't even notice well i always I, I always wondered and until this morning when we watched it again and dolores picked up on this i always wondered why at the beginning it says a addison vinnick uh steve albers greg deliso film rather than mm-hmm. in, in alphabetical order albers Vinick Deliso. I wonder why didn't they put Steve first? Well, it must have been the Addison, the director. But Dolores pointed out that it's B A D. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was all Greg. A bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was um because if you if you look the the letters for the B A D they become orange <laughs> and uh, stand out a little bit more. Or something that Greg put that's in. What, that's what I noticed. I noticed on the seventh viewing, it had to be pointed out to me. It's watching. It's, it's a subtle one, but it's there. Yeah, watching this movie is like is like reading Mad Magazine, where you mm-hmm. see all these jokes in the corners that you missed the first time. Yeah, and all, all these little jokes that are just. I think they're so funny, but you know, Greg's editing is was just it was just amazing the, the way this thing hangs together in a, in this weird way, right? Am I yeah, I mean, like I, I, like I was saying before we got on the air, um, because of the improvisational style of shooting the film, and we shot most of the kill scenes first before we got to the meat of filming with you in Kansas. You're going to work that man, and it was so great the way you did it. <laughs> yeah, like all the, all the kill scenes were kind of first and out of the way. Just to, like, they were easy to film we could just do them in an afternoon and then call it a day. And so that kind of gave us a little bit of, I don't know, like a heads up sort of experience of like, well, if we can knock out this scene in just a couple of hours, we'll be ready for New York. You know, that we'll be able to run and gun in New York if we can get a bunch of other scenes out of the way first. Even like the bathtub scene, with the you know the girl wearing the duck head like that was before we went to New York I'm pretty sure right um a lot of that stuff there there wasn't a whole lot I don't think after New York except for um some filler stuff like the Shawshank escapes yeah the Shawshank parody at the end um just minor stuff green screen stuff like with the Empire State Building 
Wait, wait, what's the Shawshank parody at the end? Tell me what it is. When me and Greg. Greg's Greg's the uh, warden and I'm the security guard. Oh, well, that's a Shawshank parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he see, throws I, a banana at the Raquel Welsh poster. Yeah, that the dialogue that Greg says, we, we lifted. I got the Raquel Welsh in there. That was Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wasn't putting it together that you and Greg were. Yeah, the, the exact dialogue that Greg says as the warden, we lifted straight from Shawshank. It's <laughs> word for word. Wow. As my monologue at the beginning is word for mm-hmm. word from and, and then the Ratatouille monologue. So, you know, there may be people coming after us later for ripping off their work, but uh, I don't think those people are going to be watching this film. My wife says to me today, is Halloween, is Halloween after soup? I said, no, they're not going to soup. They're not going to soup. No, the only one I'd be concerned even slightly of is the Ratatouille monologue because I don't know what the... Uh, what Disney would would feel about that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what the rules are. If it's yeah. if it's parody, or I mean, it's not really parody because it's someone saying it word for word. <laughs> but if it's in the confines, like we're not redoing the scene or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it's you know she's not a critic. Um, she's just a girl who's clearly passionate about the film. So I don't. I don't know what the rules are. There was a review that was written recently. There was there's a line that is so hysterical. It says it says that she she does this, this monologue from Ratatouille that was originally done by Peter O'Toole, and he thinks that she should star in a remake of Lawrence of Arabia. I, know. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, that was pretty funny too. That was from Darcy the male girl who. That's right. Is, That's yeah. what it was. It was. Yeah. she you know she's Joe Bob's co-host on the Last Drive-In. The mall girl, right? Yeah. The mall girl. Male girl. I thought it was the mall girl. Mm-mm, male. Oh, wow. I, 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 all this time I thought it was the mall girl, which, which makes sense too. <laughs> no, no, yeah. She's, she's the male girl because at the end of these shows, she'll bring in fan mail and stuff like that. Oh, oh I see. Mm-hmm. That's good. But yeah, I, I, you know, I sent her and Joe Bob a copy of the film probably back in October when I first started pressing discs. Uh, they had, you know, advertised at the end of one of their episodes uh, the address for their headquarters somewhere in New York. And so um, just on a whim, I sent them a copy, not really thinking they would get to it right away. But, you know, it's here it is January and she's already written a review for it. So, you know, I, I anticipated not hearing from them for a full year just because when you advertise your address and you say, send us your independent films, you're going to get a lot of them, especially right. if you're a show that big. That was amazing. Well, look, look, I know you and Greg and maybe Steve, I don't know, have a tendency to be very dismissive of this because it started out as it's just a silly project and it remains a silly project. But in the meantime, it became a very uh, unusually good silly project. So it's much better than you thought it was going to be, and much better than I thought it was going to be when I was filming it. And and I know Steve doesn't say anything. He's probably living his part as psycho ape and doesn't say a thing. Steve, you got to stop saying that your job is security guard because from now on your job is psycho ape. Now, <laughs> <laughs> what you say something? What? What? What'd you say? 
that's going at the top of my resume, Ben. You know, Steven's not, you know, an actor or by any, you know, he's, he's we're, really good. He's really good. We're, you know, we've been friends since like 1996. You know, he's just a buddy. We're buddies. And, you know, I just happen to stick him in stuff that I make, whether it be for Masterpiece Theater or Psycho Wave. But, um, you know, uh, he, you know, just did his, you know, pantomime performance um, as the ape and uh, ended up doing a really good job. And, you know, no, I don't, no I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not, <laughs> being, I'm not sucking up to Steve. Believe me. I just think he's amazing because you're in this costume. But, but but all sorts of emotions are playing around there. It's just it's pretty amazing. I think it's a wonderful performance. And oh, somebody in a review said you're a new sex symbol. Oh yeah, happened over this past week. What exactly did you say? They <laughs> called him a hunk. Yeah, they did. I called him a hunk. Yeah, a hunk of it, it was like he said something along the lines of, "It might be the pandemic uh, playing." tricks on my mind but yeah this guy's a sex symbol <laughs> yeah. no it's it, the movie the movie is you know it's as people keep saying it's not for everybody duh 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 of course it's not for everybody but for those it's for like me and i believe me i'm not in love with independent films or i have no cult cred here or anything like that there's lots of stuff I don't like, like the Battle of Love's Return. You know, I, I'm not. Well, really... I don't think many people like that movie. <laughs> to be fair, okay. I, I don't think even most trauma fans have even seen that film because even Lloyd Kaufman himself has spent his career burying that movie. He disavowed it, sort of. Well, yeah. it's just never been released on DVD. You can only get a, D a VHS copy back in the day, or it's a Easter egg on some other movie that he made. Wow. And you have to find it using your remote control. <laughs> but, you know, on the right arrow, it plays. My point is, I, I'm just not a, I'm not a sucker for for independent films. Okay, I, I'm not. But Psycho Wave just, and I've been in a lot of films, and believe me, there's a lot of them I don't like, and I'm not going to name which ones they are. <laughs> but there's a lot of them. No, but, I remember. <laughs> you told us uh, some of them were terrible, but and some of them I are okay, but. I, this is the only one that I ever made that I've watched seven times. I mean, I, it's, I just love it. Love, love, love. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, there, there's so much uh, almost new when you watch this. It's like, you, you, you know, and like you guys have, have said this before, but yeah, you point out new things every time you watch it. And I still laugh at some of the jokes that I laughed at the first time I watched it. Like uh, the Jurassic Park references. I, you know, my my uh daughter was asleep in the room and, and uh my wife was asleep so i watched this late at night but that was like one of the the funny scenes where i actually like laughed out loud i couldn't help it you know i tried to be the quiet clever girl. the clever girl <laughs> part <laughs> yeah. and, and even like the the barbasol can i thought was funny too when uh uh bill was doing the whole uh psychedelic scene yeah, that was another one we just came up with on the spot because Greg happened to have a um, exact replica of the Barbasol can. You know, we just put it in the movie. If you know, and if it doesn't, if it didn't work, he would cut it. You know, like we did. There's no, like I said, there's no deleted scenes in this movie. 
Uh, uh, just shot a lot of footage and he just, you know, trimmed stuff and turned them into scenes, but we only shot what we knew we needed because we didn't want to make a movie that was any longer than 70 minutes. I think 64 is like the perfect time. It is. Um, yeah, the, you know, the weird the weird thing is it's 64 minutes long and, and that seems like a really short movie and it is it's a really short feature but you really feel like you've seen a feature film it's not like you're seeing like a, a just a really short feature film you really feel like you've seen a movie and that, yeah. that's, that's pretty that's what, we, that's what we wanted because yeah. you know I watch a lot of independent films I watch a lot of independent horror films mm-hmm. you know I go to conventions I buy from other independent filmmakers just to kind of see what's out there. What are people making? What, what sells, you know, what's kind of, what's the hot trend of the independent scene. But then I get home with this stack of movies and maybe one out of 10 is good. And uh, it's like, wow, man, you know, these people make these like 80, 90 minute horror films when they could just trim 20 minutes out, get to the meat of what you're, um this isn't shakespeare this isn't uh you're not making you know high class art you're making like you know junky horror films embrace that you know how much money did you spend you know you spent you know a lot and this is what you came up with and that's not good um or if you didn't have much then embrace that and make fun of it you know we didn't have much and we did with what you know we, we made a movie out of what we had and uh I've yeah never, i've never seen a scene break the fourth wall as interestingly as that ratatouille model and then when when steve is there without the the, the, the <laughs> that, i mean obviously that was a total accident too i know i know <laughs> and like well, how, did, how did that come about the, the, the two girls were arguing and Greg never stopped rolling. <laughs> but, but I mean, she was doing her, her Ratatouille monologue out of nowhere. Yeah. Right? That was she, like- she did her monologue. Um, and then they just started arguing whether Ratatouille was better than Toy Story. Yeah. That was a genuine, real argument because they are sisters and they argue like that all the time, I guess. And um, <laughs> it just, Greg never stopped filming. I figured he would eventually but he just never did. I mean, that scene that's in the movie too was initially like double that length. And I had to kind of twist his arm a little bit. Like that's a little too long. Wow. Even in the movie, it's a little long. It's long. What, but the funny thing is the first time I saw it, I'm, I'm watching and thinking, that is this long. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, but wait a minute. That's why I'm saying. This is really long. And God, this is long. And then at some point it was so long, I started to, howled with laughter because it was just so long i couldn't believe what was going on that long and i started to think this is hysterically funny because it was so long yeah it's, it's one of the weirdest scenes i've ever seen no i mean i th- that that is why it, it you know i i suggested that we because he has a scene in hectic knife that's kind of similar where yeah. his actors and hectic were getting fed up with filming a fight scene mm-hmm. uh with bagels and so his actors start looking into the camera and they're, they're not asking in character, when is this bagel scene going to end? They were asking Greg, who was holding the camera and filming them, when is this scene going to end? 
Um, and so he used that footage in Hectic Knife and he even puts at the bottom, uh, he credits his actors, you know, he, you see their name, you see their character name, and then you see like a fake credit as like a SAG actor, but they weren't SAG actors. They're just, you know, actors that he picked up in New York. But um, I always thought that that was really funny in Hectic Knife. So our kind of Ratatouille scene, I guess, is, you know, it's, 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 it's our bagel scene from Hectic Knife. Yeah. But um, so I suggested to Greg, like, if that's what we're doing, then we got to put jokes at the bottom of the screen, too. So I suggested that we put, you know, somebody likes Monsters, Inc. Somebody likes, you know, this movie. The Burbs. The Burbs. Yeah, Greg put the Burbs on a Pixar film, but it doesn't matter. Right. And I don't even well, really like, like, I, I honestly don't even really like Monsters, Inc. that much, but I didn't care that that's what he put because it, it, it's just a joke anyway. It doesn't even matter. But, um... <laughs> So, you know, that was kind of, I guess, the collaboration and trying to make it work was because, like I said, it was like double that length. And I was like, this is going to drive people nuts. I mean, we can't have it play out. for seven If it was twice that length, that would that would be genuinely, genuinely too long to the point. Because if you notice when when it cuts back and forth with girls, the position of their shark costumes, like it'll change, like their hood will be up. Right. Or the hood will be up, hood will be, hood will be down, hood will be up, hood will be down. Um, that's masking the cuts, you know, um, to truncate what was originally, you know, a seven or eight minute scene to what it is now, four minute scene. But yeah, it used to be double that length. And I, I, I thought that was too long. And without that scene, the movie would only be one hour long. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then, of course, you know, Steven shows up out of costume, and so do um, two characters who were killed off in a previous scene, just because we happened to film both in one day, and they were still hanging around with their bloody clothes. So if eagle-eyed viewers notice, those are the, that's the same couple who got the banana shish kebab. Oh, right, right. Uh. right. So it, it's... It's the boy and the girl, right? That, mm -hmm. that, yeah, the couple who got the shish right, Yeah, we happened to film with them the same day as the Ratatouille scene, and they were still hanging out. They hadn't gone home yet. So that's why they emerged from behind a tree, because we asked them to hide, but they were in fake blood. That's why they look like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they... And, and that scene won the... Award or the best yeah. award in, in, oh. that was that one and and the head stomp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the head stomp with the cantaloupe, and yeah, the shish kebab. Oh, the banana, the banana makeout shish kebab. Yeah, that was a cantaloupe that you they used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we yeah. just trauma style fill. Get a cantaloupe, scoop it out, fill it with fake blood, stomp on it, and go. That one actually looked pretty and good. The, and the humor in this movie, yeah. the names of the characters that. The two characters that Steve's brothers play are Ice Cream Liker. <laughs> that was Greg. Yeah, when when Greg made the end credits, I can you know he gets all the credit for the end credits. You know, that's right. Yeah, Gre Greg can get credits. He, he gets all the credit for naming everybody in the end credits because we didn't have names for these people. And Jello Biafra too. Yep. I don't know where that came from, but that's what he named her. 
<laughs> Yellow Biafra is a is a rock and roll uh, legend. It's a what? He, he's a rock and roll legend. He was the lead singer of some band. I forget the name of the band. Oh, see, I, was, see, see there's, there's there's jokes and references in Psychowave that I don't even know. Yeah, I I didn't know that either. Except then after I saw. Jello be offered too. Then, then I noticed a friend of mine named Mark Campbell, who's mm-hmm. a, who, from way back, uh, has a friend. Has a friend. He had a, he had a, a picture with him, and with this guy, he said, I, "I'm here, so honored to be pictured with with one of my idols, Jello Biafra. And that, that the guy is uh, is pictured on Facebook with him. And so I ah, oh, that's where Jello Biafra comes from. Oh, see, I I, I, I even googled, I, guess, I, I googled. Biafra, because I didn't know what that meant. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I was just like, "All right, Greg just made up a word, which wouldn't be unlike him because he, he makes stuff up like that." I guess he's a rock and roll fan, though. He, he must he must know a lot about rock. Well, bands. he does tend to know obscure comedians and obscure um, yeah. musicians. That is kind of his style. So um, I didn't know what it meant, but. Ice cream liker and ice cream lover. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. I mean, there's also like dumb jokes like Officer Ham or something, you know, Officer Bacon, Officer Pork for the, uh, you know, the cops, just really, really juvenile stuff, but it doesn't even matter. It just, it just doesn't matter. And the same guy plays the teenage boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we just had to repeat some people. Like, I don't even know if, you you know, the, the girl who does the Ratatouille monologue is the same girl in the opening scene that gets the um, banana through the back of her head and comes out of her mouth. Oh, she the first is. Yeah, the first girl to die in that scene. The is. first girl to die in the Slumber Party Massacre scene is the Ratatouille girl. We huh. had her, um, yeah, we had her play two different roles. I, I, I thought the first girl to die was the one who had her foot chopped off. No, the... First, which one is what went with the banana in the mouth? Oh, she was the second one. Yeah, when, yeah. when Steven storms in and uh, shoves the banana through the back of her head and it comes out of her mouth, then he starts chopping at the girl's foot and shoves the banana in her mouth. But the first girl is also the Ratatouille girl. So there's a lot of repeat stuff that some people might notice, some people might not notice. Now, a little Spoiler alert. Even- that you didn't even know existed until I think I, I think I told you that that poster that's on the wall in the slumber party scene, mm-hmm. or the other side of something or other. Oh, yeah. really weird Easter egg. That, that that the star of that movie is Grover whatever McCants I think McCants, Grover McCants who plays the the, the newscaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the star of that movie. And yeah, that's, that, that's so weird. That, that was pure coincidence, right? It wasn't yeah, like- pure, pure, absolute coincidence. Right, right, right. Yeah, in the Slumber Party Massacre scene, we set-dressed, sort of half-assed, the walls with pictures of apes and bananas and, you know, just whatever we could so it wasn't a blank wall. And the night before, I think, you know, we went down to Detroit because Kansas was putting on a show and showing her music videos and short films and there was a guy there handing out pamphlets and posters for his independent film, right? And it was that movie. What's it called again? The other side of something. The, the other side of the door. No, the the other side of 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 horrors. It's, a, it's something. A, it's a, yeah, I forget it's something other- along. Yeah. Either way, so he gives us this post, and um, he's like, "Check out my movie." 
So Kansas holds on to the poster, and the next day, um, she brought it to our apartment to film well, when we were filming. So we stuck it on the wall just as a gag. Like, it's just no one knows what this film is. No one's ever heard of it before. The poster is bland as hell. You can't tell what the premise of the film is because it's just a guy standing in the street or on the sidewalk. It's a short film, by the way. Oh, it's a short film, not a feature? Okay. Either way, this, you know, this local independent short film that I had never heard of it, we stuck it on the wall. And uh, at one point, you know, blood spatters onto it or a banana peel whacks against it, you know, during the slumber party massacre sequence. Turns out that the guy who plays um, the male newscaster in our film is in that short film. He's, he's the star of it. He's one, he's right. one of the stars, right? Yeah. He's one of the leads. Not... Like, you know, that poster was stuck on my wall in our apartment for hours before we started, you know, vandalizing it with fake blood and banana bits. Um, not once did I notice his name on the poster, because if I saw his name, I'd recognize it. Because I think we may have already filmed the newscaster stuff. Actually, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, we filmed the newscaster stuff after the at, slumber party. After? Okay. Either way... Um, it was just such a weird coincidence. In Psycho Ape, there's a poster on the wall advertising a short film that is also starring our newscaster. Like, there's also a poster on the wall in the slumber party scene of Psycho Ape. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. Uh, I didn't know Greg was... Uh, I don't care whether it's a mistake. <laughs> It's hysterical. It's hysterical. I, I probably would have taken it down if I knew Greg wasn't framing the uh, shots oh. to cut the uh, poster out of the shot, but it doesn't matter. I, I think it's hysterical that, 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 that in, in the movie there's a poster. In, in yeah, I liked it. I, I thought it was like kind of like Spaceballs where they're Spaceballs, they're advertising the movie Spaceballs. Right, right, right. right. Uh, which is that yeah. blatant product placement. Um, and then when... When you look, when Steve, when when the ape is looking at the newscast on the, does, doesn't he have a poster of Psycho Ape there too? But by that point, yeah, we um, that was one of the last things we filmed, along with the Shawshank stuff, was Stephen cooking in the kitchen. So yeah. at that point, we were like, well, the poster's already in one scene, so we might as well put it in another. But that opening slumber party scene, mistake. I didn't know Greg was framing the shot in a way where you could see that poster. <laughs> in our apartment for a couple of weeks we just made one and printed it and put it in our apartment because we want we just wanted a poster we didn't print that and stick it on the wall to put it in the movie um yeah i just didn't know he was framing the shot in a way where you could see it i just think it's hysterical and it's the it's the kind of thing that makes this movie so like a what is it? What is this movie? It's so fucking strange. Sorry, I'm, can I say that on, on, yep. on your podcast? Yep, you can. Okay. Cuss away. <laughs> you don't, you don't but it's so strange. The movie is so strange. It's so unusual and so hard to get your head around that it's wonderful. That's one of the things I love about it. It's not like any other movie I've ever seen, but it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I'm trying to think movies that A Night at the Opera with the Marx Brothers... 
It's a gift with W.C. Fields. Movies that I think are hysterically funny. This is one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if everyone here has seen uh, Tom Green's Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have a poster. Oh, my God. We've got a, po- we've got I, a poster I, I, in our living room. I've, I've been scared to see it. It sounds so awful. It, it, the name it sounds awful, you, you but... It's it, you have to look at it from a certain perspective. It's absurdist, offensive humor for the sake of being an absurd, offensive movie. Okay. It's it's anti comedy. It's it pushes the boundaries of bad taste to a place that if you can handle that and you understand that's what he's doing, um, it's sort of like if Andy Kaufman made a movie. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The joke's on the audience. If you sit, if you submit yourself to the film, you can't expect, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or, you know, you can't expect, you know, some classic film. This is going to be gross out humor for the sake of gross out humor. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. It's like Jackass or Beavis and Butthead or something. It's juvenile and gross and stupid. However, the, the twist is... He, he competently directed that film. I mean, there's good cinematography, there's stunts, there's jokes. Um, Big actors were in that too. Mm-hmm. You know, he got uh, Rip Torn and... Um, Drew Barrymore, Marty. his wife at the time. Yeah, Drew Barrymore has a cameo in the film and uh, Harlan Williams. So, you know... Uh, yeah. His name is Tom Green, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's an absurdist comedy film that also happens to be downright stupid and disgusting. And I, I've always felt it was misunderstood, but uh, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to say right now, I like Jackass way better than Lawrence of Arabia. So there you go. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. I can't stand Lawrence of Arabia. Wars me silly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I can't do those long, long epics, those long dramas either. Yeah, but um, it's one of the I things mean, that I like about Psycho Ape is sure it's not you know a two-hour movie, but the sixty-four minutes that it is, it's nonstop. Uh, keeps the audience engaged into what's going on. Like it's it's fast-paced, and uh, and it's just very entertaining because you know, like like we're saying, uh, the movies it's all over the place, but at the same time, it's still keeping a story like sometimes the transitions can kind of throw off of okay where where are we going next and and anybody that doesn't laugh at me chasing them down the beach and suddenly we're in times square if if somebody doesn't find that funny i I just they they have no sense of humor yeah (laughs) that was our big (laughs) that was our influence was blazing saddles for that moment we wanted to have a big We wanted to have a big Blazing Saddles moment where all of a sudden the Cowboys are crashing into a big dance number, you know, on Warner Brothers Studio. Right. I'd do something like that within our budget. But the best we could do is they run from a beach in Michigan to all of a sudden they're in Times Square. But it's just so absurd. It's just so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you, if you don't find that funny, then you, you just aren't going to like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about the uh, the kids that run perfectly in between Bill and oh, uh, total accident. Kansas? Oh my! God. I, I watched. I was watching that happening while Greg was filming them, 
doing their thing. And I was watching with my jaw open, like, holy crap, they're going to smush some kids. But the kids ran fast enough through Bill and Kansas and Steven that it just it didn't happen. And I don't even think they knew that some kids just ran past them. I absolutely uh, not. I, saw the I have footage, no idea. So, if so, if yeah. I had known that was happening, I, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to, to, to play right. the scene. Right, right. But I, I looked at it later, I thought, did they, did they Photoshop that? or what? what, what, what was <laughs> <laughs> no, no. See, I, I didn't think you guys knew it was happening. That's why I didn't want to say anything, because I didn't want to ruin the moment. But that was one take. One take, and it moved on. But those kids were just running, and they ran through them, and then that was it. The other, the other question I have to ask you about photoshopping is the very last shot of the movie when Kansas and I are walking away from the camera mm -hmm. and people are coming from both sides and they're just missing us. And, and have you ever noticed how, how these, these whole lines of people are coming either on one side or the other side of us? Was, was that just also just the way it happened? Probably, yeah. It's just I, no, normal New York pedestrians yeah. just walking by. Not too many shots were doctored, as, unless it's an obvious green screen shot. Because even you can even tell when there's a green screen shot because they kind of suck. But that's just because we don't have the best green screen technology. Um, Take a look at that moment again when you get a chance. When we're walking away from the camera, it's it's as if it was choreographed. These people are walking, like, just missing us. It's yeah. No, I, I can't imagine Greg went in and did anything to doctor any shots like that. It would be too difficult, I think. And it would be, I think it would be obvious to, you know, if he did. The other thing I thought he had doctored, and he said, absolutely did not doctor it. It was the way I said it. it in my mouth, the, the Donald Pleasance monologue, mm -hmm. when I said, when I say, the devil's eyes. I thought, did you, did you do some electronic thing with my voice? He said, no, that was the way he said it. No, that's <laughs> no, no, I remember that's what it sounded like even on set, you know? Yeah, yeah it's hysterical. It's so funny. Yeah, I, I loved the whole, uh, you know, you guys using the formula of Halloween to kind of keep the flow of this movie together, uh, you yeah. know, with like Bill's character and Nancy kind of being uh, like Lori in a way from that was that was the intention. Let go when me and my friend Jonathan wanted to make Psycho Ape, we were gonna use the backbone of Halloween as like, all right, what if we just did sort of Halloween but with an ape instead of Michael Myers and. We have a Dr. Loomis character in there who's a zookeeper. And, you know, we just make everything incredibly stupid because it's clearly an ape costume, cheap as hell, and we just don't tie eyes on the back or show the strings on the back and just have, like, flappy monkey feet on the shoes. And so just basically redo Halloween in a way that's incredibly cheap and like that was sort of the initial concept, but um, you know, then when when I started like developing the movie with Greg, we kind of veered away towards that and did a more uh, Mel Brooks style send up of just slasher films in general, I guess, because I'm a horror fan. Greg is not. Um, my background is trauma, uh, 
you know, Lloyd Kaufman, Splatter movies, Peter, early Peter Jackson stuff, um, Herschel Gordon Lewis. But if you send Herschel Gordon Lewis to Greg, he'll be like, who's that guy? Um, his background is comedy and obscure, absurd comedy. Not even like that obscure, but he's a walking encyclopedia for Simpsons and Seinfeld. So, you know, that's kind of where the two styles, I guess, sort of mesh is, you know, I'll think of some kill idea where someone gets their eyeballs exploded or something and he wouldn't have gone there. Or if I want to have a scene with, you know, you know, nudity with two girls in a bathtub, like that's my sort of exploitation grindhouse influence that we got to put that in the movie because that's what people kind of expect and he'll be sheepish about it you know oh you know i don't know if i'll be in a movie because there is no nudity in hectic knife um so he had never done anything like that before but when i found actresses who were willing to do that we did it um but so there's just you know that's kind of how the movie is stitched together is two different influences kind of coming together uh you know weird absurd comedy on one side and then on the other side is trashy exploitation and i'm guilty of the trashy exploitation (laughs) well to add to like the the tub scene i just want to say i thought it was brilliant when you guys uh had the whole uh nightmare on elm street uh thing going on with the banana hand in the tub I, 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 for some reason, I, just, I yeah. like that a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. I think we totally made that up on the, on the spot too. Like we had the bathtub and we realized, Oh, there's enough space to get the camera sort of wedged in there. Let's try that shot and see if we can do it. And it only took, I don't know, two or three takes and we got it. Um, yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just like us, like a centimeter off screen. He's crouched. Uh, he he, he wow. was not comfortable. Like we're so close. Like like her toes were like under my chin. And yeah. wow, yeah, wow. like it was a big mesh. Like he was he was stuck under there with his you know banana fingers. Well, like even just the hand movement was just flawless. Like it you know it's just like uh, the nightmare movie. I was just like holy crap. Like yeah, you know you guys executed that one very well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was uh, just spur of the moment, see if we could do it. It seemed to be enough bathtub space, and we tried it. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't wouldn't have had that shot. The one other thing we did try but failed at was, uh, like, maybe the eight head would come out of the bathtub, kind of like apocalyptic Martin Sheen just sticking his head out of the water. We we tried a (laughs) shot where the eight head was going to bob up from the tub underneath the suds and everything. And it was going to be the, we, we put, what did we put inside the eight mask to make it float? Um, it was like a ball, like a bouncy ball. It was like a bouncy ball that we slipped inside the eight mask. Or you know, it was one of the ducks. Oh me, yeah. It was one of the big floaty, floaty ducks, the biggest duck in the <laughs> tub. We put it inside the eight mask. Greg was rolling. We dunked the eight mask ducky. We moved our hand really quick so that the head would pop up. It just, it didn't look convincing enough. And so we cut it like, you know, there's no, we don't have deleted scenes. We have deleted shots. Uh, you know, it's just, it's unused B roll really. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't look, it just didn't look like anything. It just, the head bopped up and fell over. And it's like, well, that's, 
that doesn't work. It worked better if you just see the banana fingers, her scream, and we cut to the other room. Right. So there's right. like it would have been know. an interesting shot if it worked. We just couldn't get it to work. Right. So like there's a there's a lot of uh reference, like you know, like we've been talking about of like just other movies that people, you know, every time you watch this film, you might find a new one whenever you watch. Like there's just so many. Uh, was there any references that like you wanted to use in the movie that never, never made the final cut or anything? I said a line in, in the first scene, which I know that that, that would be a deleted scene because it's not in, but I, 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 I threw in a reference to airplane. I know whether you knew that, Addison, did you? But I guess Greg cut it out. Uh, I think I, I knew he cut it out because he wanted the pacing of the scene to be a little bit faster. And I have no problem with anything that I did being cut out because what there was, was good. But what I said was, maybe you won't even get it. It's kind of obscure. I said, as part of my backstory, I said I was an animal psychiatrist. Then I, then I became this and that. And then it was a, I was a drummer for a punk band called Ted Stryker, but uh, and I threw in this line up, but but that's unimportant now. So, so Ted Stryker, right, right. Ted Stryker is the leading character in Airplane. Yeah, and and the, and the constant line in Airplane is, but that's unimportant now. Yeah, I think the only reason he sniffed it was just because he wanted you to get from point A to point B, like. You know, you at one point you're sitting on the table and then you walk over, you know, to where Kansas is and the cop and he just he snipped out that walk. So you're just like there, you know, talking to the cop already. And that was perfect. And and I, and I was so glad he did that because I, I, that was awkward. That walk was. Awkward yeah. And I thought, how are they going to do that? And I'm so glad he just cut it. And yeah. Just, he just snipped it right out and it works better. <laughs> And that include, I think that included that thing about Ted Stryker. So that that was, yeah. But because it was, so you were doing the walk and talk bit, and it did look kind of funny. And uh, I mean, that may be our fault for staging it that way. But I think he just he snipped it just to get you there. He just wanted you to get in the cops' face. Whatever it, whatever he did, it worked. So I, yeah, you don't I, even notice it. You don't even notice that you're just sitting there and then you're in his face. Well, I, mean, I think because he disguises it with a cutaway to a close-up shot of a cop. The <laughs> cop who wears the uniform with cop on it. Just, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's that's how we sort of, you know, we, we, we built that opening scene was we had the core footage of, like, you talking and, like, some cutaways to Kansas and like the main cop who also played the boyfriend in the opening scene. Then we filmed all that B cops eating donuts and drinking coffee. Right. Cause we used those as cutaways to sort of just truncate that opening scene to make it run a little bit smoother. That, and that all worked too. And, yeah. and of course the, the whole idea, I keep, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting the guy's name, the guy, the guy who played the teenage boyfriend and the cop. What's his name? Uh, Anthony. Yeah. Anthony. Anthony, yeah. <laughs> Casting him as a teenage boyfriend was another just hysterical joke. I mean, he looks about as much like a teenage boyfriend as I do. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I was thinking the same as far as like, like man, he looks like a 30 year old man or something. Exactly. Yeah, that opening slumber party scene was the scene that Jonathan and I wrote in like 2017. That was our opening, that was what we came up with. We were laughing. What's that? 
the slumber party seat you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. We were laughing over a couple of beers. Um, it was just him and I at this dingy bar, you know, at like 1 a.m. Knew that he had a gorilla costume and we were like, well, let's make a movie, you know? What if we do this thing and, you know, um, teenage boyfriend who's clearly in his 20s or 30s crashes this teenage girl party and all the girls are in their 20s because that's just how 80s slasher movies always worked. They never cast teenage girls. They were always much older than their roles. And uh, so we just, that's what we thought, like already that's the gag is cast people who are too old for their roles. And then they they, they continually and and each Mm -hmm. Refer to themselves as teenagers. <laughs> that was just hysterical too. You keep saying, "This is the teenage girl party," and you're ruining yeah. it. Teenage girl party. We just, you know, we just thought it would be funny <laughs> to have these people who are clearly, yeah, way too old to be having teenage slumber parties. I mean, I think some of those girls were actually like seventeen, eighteen, maybe. Like Kirsten, a tweet girl is she? She must be. Yeah, she's like seventeen. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the other girls, you know, Kansas is what twenty three now. I think twenty four. I think she was twenty two when we shot it. Yeah, yeah, she's in her twenties for sure. She was. Yeah, but she's so she's not a teen, and uh, she never ages in the movie either. Even though we jump fifty years. And of course, the, the, the <laughs> obvious, the obvious joke, but but but, and it's never and it's never commented on is that. 50 years passed during during the course of this movie and nobody ages at all. Yeah, no one ever notices that or they don't yeah. get it. I think maybe no one gets it. I think that's the problem for some reason. No one gets it. A critic noticed it the other day and mentioned it. Yeah, but not too many people say anything about it, which either means no one gets it or they don't think it's funny enough to bring up. I always thought it was hysterically funny. So I actually didn't even notice that until like our very last viewing, until we put the rubber stamp on it, saying, "Okay, this is the final cut." Because I know, like, <laughs> I've seen that several times. Was like, I, I think not until you pointed it out, Addison. Yeah, during like, because Greg Greg would send us a couple of rough cuts of the movie for us to like approve. And we would make little notes, you know, like maybe you know we need some more music here, or maybe we need some sound effects here, or you know. Then by like rough cut number three, I pointed out like, you know, 50 years goes by in this movie and no one ages. And that's when Steven had the light bulb moment. He was like, yeah, you're right. So maybe it does need to be pointed out to some people that 50 years goes by in this film and no one ages. It might be one of those things where until you say it out loud, you don't get it. Um, but I noticed it. I was that like, feeds into yeah. the silliness of it. 50 so years funny. passed by. And yeah, 50 years. This movie takes place over the course of 50 years and nobody <laughs> ages a day. It's so incredibly silly. So yeah. incredibly silly that it's like, it just makes me laugh every time. I've, I noticed that 25 years later, 25 years later, what? Nobody yeah. It no, yeah, nobody, nobody <laughs> ages, but like nobody brings that up either. So it, it just makes me wonder, is it not funny enough to be... Uh, Discuss or are people in not getting in my opinion and and I've been a comedy writer, you know, I wrote for Billy Tomlin and Carol Channing and all these people. In my opinion, it's very funny. But it's the kind of deadpan humor that the people don't automatically oh wow, I gotta talk I gotta comment on that. It's, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's so that, that's the thing about this movie. It's sometimes extremely broad, extremely farcical, but other jokes are extremely deadpan, and that's what's 
so weird about it. You never know yeah. how, the is, how the humor is going to going to come come at you. It's, sometimes it's like really broad, really really silly, really slapstick, really out there, and other times it's like, oh dude, like that thing, or, or like the Ratatouille fight, and and like like the fact that fifty years passed and nobody ages. These are jokes that that are there and they're part of the movie and make it what it is. You know, in my opinion. One of my favorite um, throwaway jokes that, again, people haven't commented on this. In one of the establishing shots of New York City, right when we're meeting like Dylan and Amanda for the first time, it says New York. It says like New York City, New York. Um, the city that never sleeps. The city that, never sleeps. The, that was what Greg initially like sent us. And I said, you need one more. So then when he put in home of the New York Yankees, I was like, that joke's done. <laughs> that's the perfect, like, that's, that's, that's like, I knew he had a good setup, but I was like, you need one more to make it a punchline. Right. And so when he wrote home of the New York Yankees, as if the previous lines weren't enough here's one more stupid glaringly obvious of course it's the home of the new york yankee and then i knew at that point the joke is sold moving up. and who came up with the neon signs in times square you talking to me and urine stench who that is so fucking hilarious i'm gonna say probably jason ewart who did all of the uh <laughs> post-production like cgi stuff um he was we kind of just let him do whatever he wanted because we could trust him <laughs> and amazing. we just pretty much used whatever he sent back to us he, he's he's really talented he's really, yeah really, yeah he really nailed a lot of that stuff any visual effects that you see in the film like police lights that weren't there when we were filming he digitally um that's all him and that sign in times square Welcome to New York, New York. Yeah, like obviously a sign that would only exist somewhere in, like in Las Vegas is planted right in the middle of Times Square. Uh, yeah, he made that. And I saw that Dylan and Amanda, uh, th th their scenes, I, I, I saw them described as being l like slacker, and I guess they are, right? I actually don't know. I've never seen Slacker. You've never seen Slacker. I, I no. saw it years, years and years ago. I saw it, and I, I can understand what they mean. because Yeah, some people... In their reviews, they've compared it to Slacker and said maybe that was an influence, but I can honestly say it's not for me. Like, they, I've never seen it. Did they, did they improvise all their dialogue? Was, was that... Absolutely. Yeah, I thought so. It, it looks like it's improvised, but that's what's funny about it. Yeah, Dylan and Amanda, not a, not a single word was improvised. We ba or, I mean, not a single word was scripted. We basically just told them, hey... Can you start rattling off some dialogue about a psychoape that's loose in New York and there's a crazy Dr. Zumas after them? Go. And uh, that was it. That was the basic direction. And you can tell that it's improvised, but that's part of what is so charming about it. You, you know that they're riffing. Yeah. But it's and they're long takes, too. You know, that's just Greg walking backwards, filming them in that park. And... Um, it's just long takes of them improvising and riffing on each other. I think the second time we see them, there are some cuts just because it was running a little bit long. And so there are some jump cuts in the second walk around. But um, 
And Dylan jumps to make the scene go faster. Dylan, Dylan falls in that water, and that that was against the law, really. I think wasn't it? I mean, that, that was totally. <laughs> they don't want they don't want people to be in that water. That I know that. Well, <laughs> Dylan kept insisting, like there was a different fountain where there was like a drop that uh, she wanted. Yeah, throw her into. There was a there was, was a first fountain that was way more sketchy, and Dylan wanted to jump in there. Well, maybe that, that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Greg said no. Oh, yeah. down on that one because it was way too dangerous. Yeah, was Dylan dangerous. was insisting and wanted to do it, but uh, you know, yeah, I wasn't even sure if there was like was a park ranger gonna come over and give us a ticket or give us some trouble or or something. But um, we compromised with this shallower fountain. Um, and we were like planning to like, okay, you go in, uh, we all run away <laughs> just so we're not like caught by the <laughs> our yeah. security, but, um, Dylan jumped in twice. You can tell, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Dylan jumped into that fountain twice because, um, what we had to do would take one and two, one of a close up of Dylan jumping, being, you know, fake pushed in. Right. And then the wide of Dylan falling into the water. So Dylan did it twice and, uh, you know, got claps from everybody else who was in the park. And then we got the hell out of there. Wow. So this this kind of adds to a question that I was wanting to ask about New York. Uh, was there, you know, like, obviously this one was probably uh, a uh, troublesome shot. But, like, was there any other problematic scenes that you guys ran to or, like, did you guys get in trouble filming anything or? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln center. Yeah. We got kicked out of Lincoln center. They didn't want us filming the fountain because I don't know. I mean, we could never really get a straight answer on the security guard, but um, he said it was private property, even though there were other people filming the fountain with their cell phones. Not private property. Yeah. He, he, he was a hard ass, that guy. Yeah. That security guard sucked. Yeah, yeah he was and a scene where um you know Bill's ha hailing for a cab you know with his finger up and the ape grabs him he was gonna grab him and drag him up the steps and dunk his head in the fountain and we were gonna fake his head getting dunked in the fountain but as near that fountain with Greg's camera rolling that security guard popped up and told us to get the hell out of there but there were people standing right there taking video of the same fountain on their cell phones so it's just it was a matter of media mm. so it's like you can film on your cell phone but you can't film on a camcorder so it's like you're picking and choosing what type of media uh is being used to document this fountain so he was just being picky and uh, shut us down and wow. it was totally yeah it was unjustified yeah it's similar in times square right when when greg was filming from the from that that vantage point oh the big steps yeah yeah the steps. yeah that was more because it had just rained <clears throat> um that shot where it yeah it zooms back and reveals all of times square because it cuts from the beach to times square and zoomus is chasing kansas and the ape um that was just for safety reasons it was more for safety if it, it, it had just rained out, then it would have been fine if it, like the sun was out and everything was dry I climbed up on these giant metal steps, even though they were soaked in rainwater. Um, and the security guard, I was standing at the base of the steps to sort of give him a signal, like, hey, it's hurry it up, get down from there. Because the security guard immediately started telling me, like, I'm going to have to go get him down from there. 
you know, you guys are trespassing. And I was like, oh, I didn't let him get the shot real quick. It's one take. It's one take. We just got to get it real quick. And uh, that was more what she was concerned of, was that he was up there on slippery steps. And Well, that's good. Actually, that was a- we got the shot. And then he, he came down. But she, she wasn't happy about that. Oh, was it she, was it? Yeah. yeah. You can see it in the movie. It happens really fast, of course. But if you look at the bottom of the, sh- of the shot, when, when Greg is zooming out at the bottom of the steps, you can see me wearing my red backpack that I was carrying all the props in, uh-huh. talking to a security guard wearing a, like an orange poncho. That's something to look for on my eighth viewing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it happens really fast, though. It happens really fast. But every other time, like throughout New York, we in trouble or anything even when we were on the staten island ferry nobody like, no it. remember that security guard on the staten island ferry did tell us to stop filming at some point <laughs> oh yeah what, what was the reason for that? I, I don't remember. remember but we had we had already been filming so much that we were like what's the point of telling us to stop now <laughs> right. you know because uh bill's wife was with us on that venture and that's how she got her cameo in the film and um and, and Greg named her character Mrs. Zumas. Yeah, we didn't discuss that beforehand, but I guess Zumas is married. Suddenly Zumas is married, but he doesn't sit with his wife on the ferry. <laughs> and he goes off with with Nancy Banana at the end of the movie. So what do you? Yeah. What do you do? Ooh. We don't we don't we don't know the backstory to that, but uh, it was just that was an absurd thing to tell us to stop filming even Something though must have happened in between that 25 years later yeah that's, there's that's, yeah there's a story somewhere you got it that's it marcus <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah there was also so in in new york and times square people did not seem to care about where we were filming whether it be the subway or in the little mom and pop shops on Times Square, like we would hide in these little shops because it was raining and we didn't want to get the camera wet. And so we would just huddle in there and maybe knock off a few shots in like a random watch shop. And the the owners didn't care. And the patrons would get out of the way because they didn't want to be in the movie. They didn't know what we were doing. And Well, there were a couple of people who even came up to me like I was a, like, like a street performer like Elmo or Naked Cowboy and want to take pictures with me. Like, I'm not a street performer, but okay, fine, I'll take a selfie. Yeah, but otherwise, nobody nobody really bad an eye. It really wasn't until we came back to Michigan where I was kind of surprised that people were a little bit weirder about um, filming in certain areas in an ape costume. Like, we were at the beach and we filmed that beach scene here in um, and people were just giving us these crazy stares. They didn't like ask us what we were doing or anything or try to shut us down, but they seemed a lot more confused um, than anybody in New York, <laughs> which was a real like 180. Like that was really fun. Oh. New Yorkers are so used to people filming that it's, it means. Yeah. It's just nothing to them. They just don't care. So they did look, problem there, there's a shot of people on the subway looking at the banana kills, uh, looking at, like it's kind of weird, right? You, I mean, there's people, they're, they're, they probably just don't know what's going on, and they right. they may have just not wanted to manage it for something mm-hmm. that they didn't like, they don't know what it, what it is. Um, 
but they didn't tell us to like, Hey, you know, I want to sign a release form or, Hey, cut me out of this movie. No one ever said that. No one was ever like, don't include me in this thing, whatever it is you guys are doing. They just got out of the way. Right. I know. I, I did notice some guy, uh, I think, uh, Kansas and Steve were by the hot dog stand that as they were walking, some guy was taking pictures of you guys or video. Or yeah. Something. That happened a lot. Yeah. There, there was, there's, there's probably some random people who have pictures and video on their phone, maybe to this day. And they don't know what it's for. You know, they probably have no clue that there is now a feature film that they can watch, you know, on Amazon prime or order a DVD or something. And, they have no idea that it was for a film. They probably just have these weird pictures um, and have no context for what it is. Right. That that's hot dog that's interesting. The hot dog vendor was really good. I and mean, he, he's got a real, he, there's a quality that he, he imparts. And that yeah. With the hot dogs, he, that, that guy is so friendly. Well, it's because I, I, I tipped him a couple extra oh, bucks. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize you'd done that. Okay. No, I see. I, I paid for the hot dog, but I was also like, "Hey, if I give you a couple extra bucks, will you be in the movie as the hot dog vendor? I'll, I'll, I'll tip you a little bit. I'll give you a couple extra bucks." So I threw a tip in his bucket. I didn't realize that. That's why he's got such a big smile on his face. That's awesome. I tipped him. That's awesome. Uh, I, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but uh, talking about like the, the little things that uh, I guess goes with like the time frame thing. Uh, I When I watched this again this morning, I noticed, uh, you know, at the beginning it says like 25 years ago and then, you know, the slumber party happens. And then I noticed like all the DVDs that were scattered that had everything to do with like ape films. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I it kind of, it just made me chuckle to see that Arrow video in there, when you know obviously Arrow Video oh, wasn't oh. a company around then, you know. I see. I see. Yeah, um, we, we you know we we watched that movie Schlock uh, before we started writing the script because that's John Landis's first film, and it's a very very bad ape movie, well Bigfoot movie. And um, Greg and I were basically like, if we're going to make an ape film, our own ape film, it's got to be better than schlock. That was kind of just where the line was. And I think uh, if we were to compare the two, we would win, <laughs> even though schlock was made, you know, by John Landis, but he was only like 21 with a small budget and, you know, it's just, he it was in his seventies. So he didn't have access to, you know, special effects and stuff like that. But we just, we wanted to throw that in there, a scene where it shows an array of DVDs and Blu-rays and schlock's got to be in that pile. Cause it's kind of like, here's both the inspiration, but also uh, we have to jump over this hurdle and make a better movie than this. Nice. Because, I got a little thing to, to tell you, which I forgot to tell you before. Um, we mentioned Mighty Joe Young a lot in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's we, we we reference Mighty Joe Young, and at one point I say, "Oh, she looks like Terry Moore in the 1949 Mighty Joe Young." She's, yeah, she, she says she feels like Charlize Theron in the in the remake. I said she looks like Terry Terry Moore yeah. in the original. 
a friend of mine who, who wrote a review of a psycho on 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 Amazon just the other day. Uh, he's been in a million films. He's been in film films. He was in a he was in a film a couple a few years ago with Terry Moore, who oh, is wow. who is still alive. She's ninety two. He, oh, wow. he was in he was in a film. He he became friendly with her. I he's going to give her. He's going to tell her that she gets a shout out and say go away. That's awesome. I had never seen either Mighty Joe Young before uh, shooting Psycho Ape. Um, that was kind of our ape movie homework um, before making the movie. Um, Greg would come to our apartment and we would watch an ape movie a week. Mm. And, um, you know, so we, we knocked out both Mighty Joe Young's. Um, we, had, we, we had all seen King Kong multiple times. We never watched King Kong. But we watched like Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, and that was atrocious. Awful. Um, Absolutely <laughs> awful. It's terrible. So yeah. bad. Unbelievably terrible. I mean, it's like Yeah. You think you'd do at least a decent job. It was it was an awful movie. No, it was it was confusing and stupid. Now the, um, the, the original might have showed you on Turner Classic movies in a couple of days, you know. I, I yeah. already. Yeah, the original is, is pretty good. I've never seen it. I, I, I oh, really? You've never oh, seen yeah. it? I actually and prefer that one to the... I love Terry Moore. I, yeah, the chair, I love Terry Moore. I've seen her on remake. I didn't think it was, any, it was that good compared to the original. Which one? The, the, the Charlize Theron remake? Yeah, we weren't we weren't big fans of it because we double featured the two of them. Right. And, the, and we and were the like, wow, film. you know, you make this movie... When like when was that film? That, was, that must have been the 40s. Like 49, I think, or... 49? It's forty nine, and the other one is ninety eight. Even though we say ninety, yeah, yeah, movie it was actually ninety eight, but whatever. So uh, it's like you have this large gap of time where you can, you know, you have plenty of opportunity to get a good script and some good special effects. But a lot of the fun stuff that's in the original, they completely didn't even use. They didn't even update. They didn't, you know, huh. like it's a very loose remake, more yeah. of a. You know, more of a core sort of reading, I guess. It's well, like the slumber party says she likes it better because she likes color. She likes yeah. effects. <laughs> but, I, like color. I like effects. I love that. There's there's fun parts in the original where Mighty Joe Young is taking on multiple like lions and stuff, and it's this cool, you know, claymation from the '40s stop motion claymation of Mighty Joe Young fighting multiple lions, and there's nothing like that. And the Charlie's Theron remake. Mm. Um, it was just kind of, in, in terms of action, the remake is pretty dull compared to the original. I did, even without seeing either one of them, I just had a feeling that I would, <clears throat> I would probably like the original much better. Yeah, it's really strange. Because, um, like, the, the King Kong films are kind of hit and miss. Like, I, you know, obviously the original from the 30s is a classic. Um, I like parts of the '70s remake. Some people don't really like that movie. I like, uh, I like the one that's not a remake, but that's uh, Kong Skull Island or whatever it's called. I think I, that's one of the best. I like that one. Yeah, I Gun thought that that was one of the, the best reimaginings or adaptations or whatever. Um, it, it felt genuinely. <laughs> 
uh, like a continuation or something of the original King Kong, like as if he never left Skull Island or if he, if he never, if he didn't die at the end of the first one and they just flew him back home or something. I didn't like the 70s remake and and, and the other one with uh, Naomi Watson. Hated. I hate the Peter Jackson one. That was too yeah. so long for one thing. That was, that was, that was, that's a case of a movie being far too long for its yeah. I don't know how it's long like it the original movie is 90 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, and then right. you make a three hour version of King Kong. It's a very simple story. You know, you don't have to make a three hour movie. It was a horrible movie. And well, it's boring. It's extremely boring. Very boring. Very boring. Um, I mean, early on that Psycho Ape has more screen time in all 64 minutes of our movie than King Kong does in Peter Jackson's three-hour King Kong, huh. you know? We see the eight more is what you're saying. We, yeah, you see uh, the eight more. And as somebody mentioned, Psycho Ape <laughs> gives a shout-out to Mighty Joe Young more times than even Marty Mighty Joe Young does. It mentions the, mentions the, the name Mighty yeah. Joe Young more times than even Mighty Joe Young does. <laughs> we say it a lot. In the, in the slumber party scene. Yeah, and that was totally like, again, probably the only reason is because we had just watched it two weeks prior, you know? Yeah, it was still so it was, it was still very fresh in our memory. <laughs> I've always wanted to see it. Now I'm going to see it. It's going to be on in a few days. I've, I've got it, TiVo, or whatever yeah, we call I it. it. DVR. I've done the DVR thing with it. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. kind of how we prepped for the movie was just every Thursday – we would watch either a good eight movie or a bad eight movie and whatever it was that would maybe take notes of like, do this or don't do this. And um, that's, that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we wrote the basic outline for the script. It was fun. And a couple of lines. Yeah. Well, of course we did lift like the take your stick and paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Uh, we threw that one in there. Yeah, there's some obvious ones in there. What movie is that from? The, that line? Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's from Planet of the Apes. Okay. Yeah. I, I liked that one with, you know, in Psycho Ape, where uh, where he uh, cuts off the lady's hand when she's reading the comic book. I, I, it was pretty that, funny. Uh, that magazine. I went to a comic book shop that day, like two hours before we were filming that scene. Not knowing that we were going to be cutting off someone's hand like while they were reading the magazine um i bought that cracked magazine for like 65 cents and it happened to have like a king kong parody right on the front cover so when she came over that afternoon i was like i just bought this magazine so you're going to be reading it in this thing (laughs) and adrian esposito who's the guy that actually brought us together he he has a scene, and he has a line uh, where they, they cut off his yeah. hand or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a madhouse. It's a, is that from something? Because that, that line is... Also, Planet of the Apes. It's a madhouse! <laughs> that's, that's another Planet of the Apes. We didn't tell him to say that either. He just said that. He knew what he was referencing. Oh, you didn't tell him to say it? No. no. Huh. Rover forgot his last name, and that's why he substituted but I don't want to blow. Well, I mean, yeah, the uh, the newscaster, um, Geltroy uh, S. S. He, um, <laughs> he, his name in the movie is a blooper, but we kept it. 
he forgot his own character's name. And so what, he's, what he utters in the film, um, we did not correct him. And, and the name of the news of the news network, was that an ad lib too? Yeah. <laughs> You're watching a news. <laughs> yeah, that was him. I don't know. He just wanted to cuss that day. He's hysterical, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think once he realized that we were laughing every time he had a, he blew his line and he wasn't, we weren't like upset that anybody was like misremembering lines or improvising lines. Once he realized we were laughing, kind of egging it on, that he felt more comfortable to be a little sillier. Because I think when he came in to sit down, Tanya too, you know, we had lines for them and we filmed the lines, but then we were like, okay, now, you know, do something silly. And that's when I think they they got comfortable and they were like, oh, you guys are running a really loose ship here. You know, this whole conversation about what's the past tense of shit. Yeah. Is it shit it or shat? Right. That was all entirely improvised and we, you know, (laughs) never stopped rolling and he used all the footage. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's good but i think once they realized oh these guys this is what these guys want that's you know that's what it turned into which is totally fine and i love the music by the way i think I, though he, he says he didn't write a lot of it I, I i had a chat with uh what's his name again the the music guy I, dan what's his last name dan stolarski Dan Solarski, he, he said he didn't write a lot of that music, that, that a lot of it, but he did, didn't he? He, didn't, he, wrote, he wrote it all, right? Um, He wrote a good portion of it, and then we had, yeah, we, we had two people doing different, um, different styles of music, like, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, col- not, not a collaboration, but I guess a weaving of two different scores. Because it was like we knew one person was stronger in maybe like psychedelic music. Like every time there's like an Austin Powers type psychedelic sting, you know, like during that transition, that's one person doing that. But then like doing a parody of the music from Midnight Cowboy, I believe that's Dan. Oh, that's Dan. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's not just one person who did the entire (laughs) score. And Dan's the one who sings the final the last thing you hear in the movie, right? Yeah, Psycho Ape. Fucking Psycho. Yeah, that's him. That's him. I wasn't actually involved much in the um, the score. Greg kind of just handled all that because Dan is a friend of his. Oh, okay. So they would have conference calls and stuff through Zoom, and they they knocked out the score over a weekend, I guess. Yeah, said he did about two minutes, but it, it's yeah, but it's really good. It, yeah, it, it works so well. That music with Matthew and and Kansas. Yeah, it's very. The, the, it sounds like real, like a news beat, like a next. Yeah, and Matthew is great. The, the collie dog. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that for uh, for. Right. The yeah. The viewers who don't know who Matthew is. Matthew is Greg's dog that that played the dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's somebody. Somebody said and. Oh, the review uh, that came out today said, "Finally, we we see the the ape versus Lassie thing that we've wanted to see for years." <laughs> oh, was that? I didn't uh, see. I didn't see that new review then. That review came out today. I I sent it to you. Yeah, it's from 
cult faction. Oh, I must have missed it then. A guy named Brett Summers. Do you know him? Do you know Brett Summers? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I well, he gave the movie eight out of ten. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I sent the movie to a lot of reviewers. I don't remember everybody's I name. Think, I think I might have sent it to him. I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I mass emailed a whole bunch of horror websites to try and get people to review it. And it's weird. Even when you try to give someone a movie for free to review, they don't respond. And it's like, that's strange. Like, I'm giving you a free content. I'm not even going to look at it. We have 21 reviews already, though, on IMDb, which is pretty good. Yeah. Like some people, I don't know, some people say, you know, I'm, I'm backed up and I'll get to it, but then they'll never get to it. Yeah. Or um, some people are very strange in that they'll only review something. Um, I don't know. They won't look at a movie if they if they think it's like, if they, if they know it's low budget, you know, then they're just, they disregard it. Oh, that's an indie film you guys made for seven grand. Right. Well, that's, I, I can understand okay. that. I can yeah. understand it. If I just heard it's a, it's a, it's a micro budget movie about an ape, I'm, I might not watch it. <laughs> Maybe I, I probably would, but a lot of, but I can see <laughs> resisting that. No, no, no. no. Like, we do get that. Like we, that happened a lot with Greg too, uh, for Hectic Knife. I literally, I think I mailed out physical DVDs like 200 of them um, on Greg's behalf when I was working for him to various review sites and video stores just to get people to look at the film. But because it was micro budget and black and white, a lot of people wouldn't even touch it. Oh, it was very strange. It was very weird. That's so yeah. unfortunate. <clears throat> well, Hopefully that's not going to happen with Psycho Ape. We're going to, because I think the more people that see it, the more people that like it, I think the word of mouth will spread. That's, I'm very optimistic myself. Well, I think we, the the edge that we may have is, um, you know, as you in Kansas have name recognizability within the film community and, uh, I'm still trying to crack the code of trying to get this movie into fans of the hands of uh, Kabuki man fans. I just don't quite know how to do it. Um, I mean, I know that movie has got a cult following. Um, you know, I was a fan for years before I ever met you. And it's like, how do I get this movie into fans of that movie without it necessarily having to be through the trauma Avenue, you know, right. like, this movie should be seen by people who aren't just trauma fans. Um, and, uh, you know, it may be a movie written by and edited by and, do you know, documented by and starring trauma alumni, but that doesn't necessarily mean it should only exist under the umbrella of trauma. I just don't know how to get to those people without, you know, ha you know like almost stamp on there, but it's like, you know, we're self-distributing. We're trying to get it out there, but how do I get to those people? It's like pole vaulting over trauma and trying to land in the same sort of field of like, hey guys, we have a movie in the vein of what you're looking for. It's just that trauma has nothing to do with it. It's got alumni and you might want to look at it because of that. But, you know, 
I don't want to have to put it through the trauma machine for people to have to forget it. Like we shouldn't need that logo on our DVD for people to look at it. I know. No. Right. Um, but I know Kabuki Man's a cult classic and it's like, I, you know, I, I want to reach these people and let them know, like, you know, if you liked Bill Whedon's performance in that film, then this is for you, you know, if you like Kansas Bowling's performance in that film, this is. And yeah, well, if you're a fan of Kansas, if you're a fan of BC Butcher or, you know, her. Hectic Knife, too. I mean, you, yeah. you know, they, they have the trauma uh, uh, connection as well. Yeah, so it's like, you and know. You do it with Trauma Masterpiece Theater. Right. I mean. We all do. You know, we all yeah. Have connection. Yeah. And now we like, have Marcus Root on our side. So that, uh, you can't go yeah. better than that, right? Yeah, so right. it's like we're trying, we're trying to sidestep trauma and uh, get people to watch it or buy it or look at it who it's like, I know the trauma logo is not on the DVD or on the poster, um, but uh, Bill Whedon is in it. So that should be enough for you to want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, you know, that being said, I know you don't want to have to, you know, be pushed into the trauma camp, but uh, has Uncle Lloyd ever reached out to you after this film uh, about you know something no. in the works? No, 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 no. Um, ever since Tremasterpiece Theaters come to a close, we've kind of went our separate ways. You know, he stopped seeing. He pulled the plug on Tremasterpiece Theater, and that was kind of the end of it. You know. Okay. For sure. I know that um, I know that Lloyd and Pat are are, are are fans of mine, so I don't know what that would do. But uh, I, his wife Pat, you know, right, right, yeah. Um, uh, I, I got a really nice message from her recently. It wasn't about Psycho Eight, but it was about you know they, she she keeps in touch with me. You know? When I met her for the first time at Troma Dance, uh, New York, that summer we were filming. I told her we were making a movie called Psycho Ape, but because the venue was loud, she thought I was making a movie called Psycho Eight. And she was like, what happened to parts one through seven? I thought she was being funny. I thought she was doing a Lloyd joke, like a Lloyd pun. But I was like, no, 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 Psycho Ape. And then when she heard the P sound, that's when she realized, oh, Ape. Oh, I thought you were doing a joke. I thought you were, you know, quick wit doing a gag but no it was just a miscommunication <laughs> she's great i love her she's a great person um, but yeah we're just i don't know i'm self-distributing right now which is you know do, we're, i'm doing pretty good um just wrapping up finally the kickstarter um well, that's good bundles you know kickstarter right. bundles are finally coming to a close and uh i don't know i mean it's playing, well, it, it hopefully will be playing in some festivals and stuff, uh, you know, this spring, summertime. I've submitted to a handful of them with more that I want to submit to. It's going to rock the festivals. I mean, we're going to... It's going to be so weird, though, because, like, I don't know with these festivals if they're just going to still just all be online because that's so incredibly boring, um, you know... I want to go to these festivals. I want to go to these conventions 
sell the movie and sell the movie. Um, but if it's not safe still, then I'm not going to go. And, but it's like, you know, we've already won a couple awards for some other, you know, independent festivals and stuff like that, but it's just not quite as gratifying to receive an email like, Hey, you've won this than to like be at the festival and be like, Hey, you know, we won this. Um, right. So I, I think it'll happen. I, I, I would bet it's going to happen. I mean, in optimist. I, I I always think the best, and I think this movie has what it takes to get a lot of festival love. You know, I, I do. Oh, I think it could too. I just I just hope that I can we can do that in person rather than just continue to receive emails. <laughs> First of all, yeah. I'd like to get together with you. Be yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's just I feel so disattached from having completed a film, but I can't go out and promote it. Um, Cause we're stuck, you know, there's, there's no, we're all stuck at home and there's no conventions. And it's like, I miss being at a table and uh, trying to get people to promote product or trying to get people to buy my product. I haven't been able to do that in over a year. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we, we've talked uh, in uh, messaging and I know that you sent uh the movie to Midwest Monster Film Fest, mm-hmm. which is my yep. local uh, horror convention. Yeah, um, luckily I, that's not happening until like September. Right. And that's that's a good, you know, space of time. Uh, you know, we're going to have a new president in the White House this week. Right. And uh, maybe somebody can uh, get this, somebody more professional can get this coronavirus thing taken care of. Right. <laughs> well, I, I have great, Great optimism about that. Yeah, it could, oh, be, no. it could be handled worse. So, <laughs> right, we've we've seen the least amount of effort that can be put into it. Like, so. like there's a column in the New York Times today, which is so so honestly, what he says is Biden is going to do this. He's going to do something that that is so obvious, but it seems like brilliant because it's so it's what. Beginning. Yeah, we're so used to incompetence that exactly. we're exactly the, the, the plan finally comes along. That competence seems like brilliance. I mean, that's not what the, that's not the way. Well, it, it it's 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 the bare minimum seems like a gigantic light bulb going off. Yeah, and that's yep. how low we've sank. Yep. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I just feel like pretty soon, I hope we'll see progress, and then by summertime fall when these conventions are all happening i can start going and promoting this movie and selling dvds in person and going to festivals and attending them and you know the cast can attend and that's what i want because you know unfortunately we can't do that right now i can submit the film to as many festivals as i want to and it's not like uh there with people munching on popcorn and you know experiencing it like we did to do um right before movie theaters shut down in michigan pretty brief showing it was one night only and uh you know we got a decent amount of people to come out it wasn't a sold out show or anything but but 
people came some cast and crew and uh i can't wait until we can see and that's why the people really they laughed a lot yeah it seemed yeah, pretty consistent i mean i think some jokes do go over some people's heads because uh the way that it's just, i mean not everyone's a cinephile not everyone's an encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture but um <laughs> And you can you can figure that out from what jokes land and what jokes don't. Right. Um, you know, so that's why it'd be great to experience it with like a hundred people because um, maybe even like only five people out of a hundred people will even know who Terry Moore even is. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more people will know Ratatouille, but yeah. you know maybe not mighty Joe young. Right. Right. The ratio is much, it's, it's, it's way different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it worked perfectly when you mentioned the mighty Joe young remake first, and then bill makes the reference to the original. Yeah. Some people might not even know it's a remake. Like, um, I always knew it was a remake. I just had never seen either of them when you're a King Kong fan your whole life, you just know, you know, you know what else kind of exists with other ape movies, sure. even if uh, you haven't necessarily seen them. I would say Mighty Joe Young might be the the second most famous ape movie. I mean, I, 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 I'm not referring to Planet of the Apes, but I'm talking about... Sure. About a gorilla. About a gorilla, right. There's gorilla yeah. at large, which is pretty terrible. Have you seen gorilla at large? You play some. I've heard of this. And Bancroft is in it. Oh wow! And Cameron Mitchell and Lee J. Cobb, both from the cast oh, of Death in the Salesman. I think I looked it up. It's I think I tried to find a DVD of it or something, but the DVD is out of print. Yeah. And so you know you have to spend like sixty bucks on eBay or something for a used copy. At large, it's supposed to be really bad. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I, I thought, well, maybe uh, this would be a good time we could uh, announce uh, the winner of the Psycho oh. Ape giveaway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bill, could you do the honor to uh, let the winner I have know? To, I have to look up the name of the winner. I know his first name. His last name begins the first name, and I'm not going to tell any of it yet until I find out. Who it is? Just a second. I got it on my phone. I'm looking right now, and we we need a drum roll somewhere in here. Let's see. Mm -hmm. uh, one second. <laughs> Just a second, guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. 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 Damn it. Um. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I got it. All right. And the winner is do you want to it now? Sure. Ben Clayton. Woo. Ben Clayton. Congratulations. <laughs> I wish I had some party music. Maybe I'll add that in the background, like some kazoos or something. Woo! Congrats, Ben. Uh, I will be in so contact I'm with you. Never seen the film, right? 
like he'll be getting he'll be getting a copy and this will be his first viewing of the film probably i i i believe so i'm not sure if, if he's seen this yet so okay i think let's, he's in for a so treat ben, right. yeah i hope well, he likes it and yeah he should let us know then because uh yeah this whole thing was set up for yeah this little giveaway and uh it would be a tragedy if he didn't like the movie. <laughs> um, I I do know he's a uh, an author and an artist. I mean, so far, we've gotten one bad review. So uh, and you know, I uh, Ben, if you're listening, I'll send you a couple goodies as well. Maybe a couple mystery movies to go with mm-hmm. that, just to kind of make it feel like you won uh, some big giveaway or something. Um, but. Yeah, uh, I you know I'll be in contact uh, with the winner shortly, and uh, and you know I know it's going to be a little bit of time before I send it off, just because you know still have to receive some of the the giveaway items. But uh, yeah, I I didn't realize today was uh, Martin Luther King Day. I was going to ship out a whole bunch of psychowave stuff today, but somebody reminded me that the post office would be closed, and so. Last night I packed up all this stuff, getting ready to ship it out today, and I was like, "Oh crap, I gotta do it tomorrow." <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had to stop by the post office today too, and didn't realize that they weren't open. But well, uh, guys, uh, yeah, <laughs> it will be. It will be tomorrow. I uh, yeah, I don't know how much how much time uh, you guys have to talk. Um, you guys still there? We should probably wrap it up. So. Yeah. yeah, I think we're, it? we're going on about two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's 6.55. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's been two hours. That's, I think we should wrap it up now. Well, I'm kind of getting hungry. I kind of yeah. wanted to get some dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Twice as long as Psycho Ape. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that it was already two hours in. That's right. Steve, well, uh, Steve, man, you hardly said a word, but so great to see you there. Oh, I'm, I'm in character. Um, Steve Albers, it's, um, this guy is so great. He, 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 remember when you took me to the the urgent care uh, clinic? I'll yeah, make, thankfully it was all like it's all good. Um, I'll never forget that. That was that. I just I, I talk, I've talked to Dolores, my wife, about that. I'm grateful I was to you for that. That. These guys, I said it before. I've never warmed to people I worked with more than I did this crew. It was just—they're all so great, all four of them. I, I, I mentioned four because it's—it's it's Stephen Addison and Greg in Kansas. They're all just so great. Thank well, you, Bill. Yeah, right. Awesome. And yeah, I, I, I'm very glad uh, it was nothing like serious that. Um, Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I forget what it what it was. What, what do you remember what it, what what I what it was? I was a having a panic attack. I think. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was. A, it, it felt like a panic attack, but I don't think it was. I think it was. I, didn't you? Uh, I, I don't know. Many cups of coffee for breakfast <laughs> or something, maybe. <laughs> maybe that was oh, it. I think, I think you were over caffeinated and you weren't expecting the rush. Yeah, something like that. But it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that day, I was at the hospital too. Cause that was back when I still was getting weekly checkups on uh, my blood levels. So that was a really awkward day. Like, Oh, you haven't, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that anymore, 
But um, at the time, I was still doing weekly checkups. So I was getting my blood drawn um, to get a checkup. And Stephen texted me that he's taking you to urgent care. And it's like, already at the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) I can't come help you guys. I'm waiting to get my blood drawn. I don't know what's going on. Oh, my God. And we still got it done. (laughs) And we still filmed that day the slumber party massacre scene and your whole uh, monologue. Somehow we mashed all of that together in one day. That was the same day, huh? Yeah. Hospital trips, urgent care visits. (laughs) And we still managed to somehow, because I think we worked it out in a way where I was home before. Uh, Steven and you, and we managed to film the slumber party parts because we didn't need you guys for that scene. Right. Because it was just the girls talking. Right. And then when you were ready, uh, you, we picked you up. Ah, was that? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. somehow right. that just worked out. Because if we had needed you that morning, it would have, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. That would have been an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that would have, that would have delayed. Shoot. But yeah, you were, thank God you were fine. I mean, you were pretty far away from home on that one. Yeah, yeah. There was, if it was anything more than just a caffeinated rush, we would have been in trouble. We took a road trip all the way from New York to to, to Detroit. The, the five of us. Yeah, that's how we shot the movie. Was um, scoop you in Kansas up from New York after filming like four or five days, yeah. and then the five of us drove back in my car from New York to Michigan and that was like a 12 hour drive and uh and we still liked each other at the end of the drive so that was yeah, shot for four or five more days and then uh sent you guys back home on a plane amazing hoping that we got everything that we needed <laughs> wow so is it time to wrap up we, uh, we do yeah that. I think so yeah I think it's yeah, um uh before we take off here, uh is there anything that you guys would like to plug in? Uh like, you know, where where to find you guys social media or you know, where people can uh go to watch Psycho Ape. Well, Psycho Ape, uh, I'm selling DVDs on eBay. Um it's directly, you know, independent film, you know, uh, independent filmmaker selling his wares on eBay, and um, it's also available on Amazon Prime for streaming. If you're not a physical media person, um, you know I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff. If people want to contact me for anything, and I am too. I'm not a, well. Yeah, I'm on Twitter too. I, I hardly ever do that, but I'm on Facebook all the time, so you can get me. And you can and, and you can order the DVD from Addison. You, you go to his page and all the info is there it's also on mine by the way yeah we, we yeah. post pretty much every day about it and and you go to amazon prime video it, i i have trouble when i go to amazon prime i don't get it but when i p- plug in amazon prime video yeah it, it's kind of hidden for some reason i don't know sometimes it's easy it's just a google psycho ape and then it gives you it does direct links to reviews the ebay link is there amazon is there so sometimes yeah it is just easy it's just a google don't forget the exclamation point because that is part of the title and uh you'll find it 
somewhere. Awesome, guys. I, uh, hey, I had a lot of fun talking to you guys about Psycho Ape. Um, just, you know, just want to thank you all for coming on the show and, uh, you know, taking the time to actually talk to, to me and, uh, and talk about Psycho Ape. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for the invite. Had a ball. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun talking with Addison and Steven. It's great to meet you. Yes, it was nice meeting Steve and Bill. Wow. So there's a lot going on in that interview. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening to the Root Horror Podcast. And I hope you've made it this far listening. And, uh, again, a big thanks to uh, Bill Whedon, Addison Binnick, and Steve Abers for coming on the show, taking the time out of their day to come on the show. and I had a lot of fun talking to everybody. And uh, congrats again to Ben Clayton for winning the Psycho Ape giveaway. I uh, will be sending off your giveaway uh, shortly once I get everything put together. So uh, congrats. And uh, that's about it for me, guys. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Rude Horror Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at Rude Horror Pod. And uh, also on YouTube, if you just type in Root Horror Podcast, I'm on there. Uh, Shortly I'll be trying to put up some more content and I might even start doing some live streams. So uh, stay tuned for that. Also uh, have some some beanies I'm going to be making, uh, or stocking caps. So if you guys want a Root Horror Podcast uh, stocking cap... uh, I'm going to be getting those made pretty soon. And uh, just uh, keep an eye on my social media for when those drop. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Oh, uh, if you guys are old school with uh, email, if you want to email me at roothorror at gmail.com, you're more than welcome to send me an email, especially if you're a filmmaker or know somebody who uh, is working on a movie that need some promotions done for their films uh just hit me up with an email or hit me up on my social media and uh i'll see about maybe doing a review of your movie on the show or you know if you want to do a full episode we can get you on the show and uh talk about uh horror movies and uh your upcoming projects or or whatever you got going on so uh listening and uh stay tuned for the next rude horror podcast episode